Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here at Transforming Life. Uh, we hope you encounter God today and have a life-changing experience through Jesus. Hey, let me celebrate real quick before we dive into today's message. Um, this past Wednesday, uh, we had some students that stepped up in, in youth group and, and used their talents and gifts to lead worship for a while. They've kind of been just listening to audio tracks through, through the computer, and, uh, and we had some students step up and, and join in, and, and it was just so awesome to see you get feel that, like the excitement. Uh, even from the video post, you may have seen the video post on, on Facebook, and it was just so cool to see everyone's excitement uh, about them, and it's so cool to see people using their gifts and abilities uh, for the Lord. And, and so I'm so excited about uh, what's going on in our youth ministry, and Caleb uh, is doing an amazing job there uh, with that and help build those students up. And so that's just amazing uh, to see. Hey, last week we started a series called Love Well, Live Well. Because if you love well, you will live well. And we built a foundation um, for, for how to start that. And we learned that if we love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and then if we love our neighbor as ourselves, so if we love God and we love others, that is a foundation for everything that God expects of us and wants us to do. That, that's the foundation. Because we, in and of ourselves, are, are, are selfish. We have this sin nature that, that we're born into that only, only God can deal with and take care of. And, 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 and without God, we won't love others. We'll just love ourselves. And so we laid that foundation last week. And so this week, we're going to build upon that just a little bit and create some space to love well and live well. And are you ready? Amen. All right, cool. All right, we're, we're together. That's good. How many of you have ever... You've messaged someone, maybe a text message or, or it was some kind of social media post. And you, you message someone through your phone or some sort of device that someone is in the same house or even in the same room as you are. Anybody here guilty? I'm guilty of it. <laughs> we just divided the room a little bit. Some people are like, you crazy people, right? But, uh, but many of us have done that. All right? we, we've texted someone uh, on the other side of the, the house or maybe even the same room. We posted something on Facebook about them or whatever uh, you know, it, it might be. Listen, we live in a very, um, let me say it like this. Uh, society today, there's so many ways to get connected, right? Uh, there, there's email, like nobody writes letters anymore. Okay, that's just, a, or maybe some of you do, but that, a lot of people will send email nowadays, right? It's quicker, it's, it's for the most part more efficient. As long as your email doesn't get lost in internet space somewhere. Uh, but, but there's email. There's, there's, uh, phones have, have come a long way over the years. You can text. You can send pictures. You can send video. You can FaceTime someone. So you can video chat with someone on, on your phone. Um, you can call them, certainly text them. Um, uh, there's so many ways you can communicate with them through social media and just different types of, of things with the way technology is today. There's so many more ways for us to get connected. Yet we are a society that probably doesn't have any deep, real, true connections. It's funny, isn't it? It's sad, actually, really, that we, have, we, we can, we can uh, connect with each other in so many different ways, yet we aren't really connecting deeply with each other. I think that's interesting. From the moment that we are born, we encounter people, right? There's people all around us. God created it that way. He created uh, you to have relationships for people to be uh, around you. But from the moment we're born, we are developing relationships. And there's kind of this progression that happens through, throughout our life. When, when your, your first couple years here on this planet is spent 
building relationships with your family. Kind of, that's kind of the first uh, you know, start that you have, getting to know faces and voices, right? You know, it, it's so beautiful the first time you hold your child and they, they begin to recognize your voice. And they may even recognize your voice even because they heard it in the womb. Um, you know, dads are talking to you know, your, the mom's stomach. I'm your father. You know. Guys, you know you've done that before. Okay, so don't even, don't even lie. But, uh, but those first couple years, you're getting used to your family, right? And then as, as you grow up and you start going to school or daycare or whatever it is, you, you start to learn how to share with others, okay? You know, some kids aren't so great at that, but they're learning, right? And, and, and so they learn to, to share with others and they're starting to make friends. You know, we always ask our kids, all right, who's your friends at school? Because we want them to learn their names and name them, not just, you know, whatever, um, but, but they learn to make friends and to share and, and how, to, how to interact with others, right? Uh, and then somewhere between fifth grade and eighth grade, right, there's this thing called puberty, okay? And, and, and so the, you guys remember middle school and junior high, right? For many of us, it was junior high, right? Y'all remember that, right? Some of you are like, I'm trying to forget it, brother. <laughs> like, that's a rough time in, in your life, man, because hormones are going crazy. There's all these changes that are going on inside your, your head and your heart and your body and, and all these different things. There's all this craziness that's going on and you start to notice the opposite sex, right? And so, so there's a lot of stuff that's kind of going on there. Um, in high school, there's this natural, gradual pull away from family into independence. It's a natural thing that happens inside of us. We start to want to, to spend less time away from family. We're, we're tr- beginning the transition into adulthood in those years. So there's this natural pull towards independence. And then eventually having a family of your own. Now in between all of those different moments and that progression, there's all these different relationships that that you encounter. Some are close relationships. Some are just acquaintances. Some are just random people that you meet along the way. And there's different people for different seasons uh, in your life. There there may even be jobs and coworkers and employers and, and all different types of moments and experiences and relationships that are interwoven in between that progress. Here's the deal. We were created for community. We were created for relationships. God created us and designed us that way. There's people all around us. You can't, you can't shake that unless you just live in a house as a hermit by yourself and never come out of the house, okay? Uh, but we were created to be with people. Uh, so, so what we want to do today is we want to start to talk about how God expects us to live inside of those various types of relationships. Uh, we're going to talk about pretty much universal across the board, some things that can help us um, interact with people in, in, in a friendship, in a dating type relationship, in marriage, as a coworker, as a neighbor, in, in, in almost any type of relationship, in a family, uh, any type of relationship. So we're going to look in Ephesians. So if you have a Bible or, or some sort of device with the Bible on it, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to bounce around throughout chapter 4 and into chapter 5 a little bit as well. So we're going to look starting in Ephesians 4, verse 22. And then we're going to end up going through the beginning of chapter 5 up until chapter 5, verse 25. So go ahead and take some time. Open that up. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 22. Uh, Last week, again, we talked about a type of love that God wants us to have. And that's a selfless love, right? On our own, without God, we're selfish and, and we, we have tendencies toward that self. And so um, it's really hard to have deep, meaningful relationships that are, that are healthy apart from God. Now, now some people do that, but, 
But for us as Christians, it's really, really hard to do that. The type of love that God displayed for us was selfless. Jesus went and died on a cross for you and for me. That's that's the greatest love that anyone can give you that they would lay down their life. That's what the Bible tells us. The type of love that God wants, the type of love that God gives us, and the type of love that he wants us to have for others is a selfless type of love. And if we love well, if we love God and we love others, we will live well. Selfishness in our lives and in our relationships does not work. It won't work. You'll find yourself spending a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy and getting frustrated and and it just it just doesn't work and this is any type of relationship if you want to have a great healthy relationship it starts with you michael jackson said it best the man in the mirror right come on y'all don't act all holy here You, you know some michael jackson come on starts with the man in the mirror. If you want to have great, healthy relationships, it starts with you. Luke 6.31, do to others as you would have them do to you. Okay? It's something we're taught as little kids. Treat others as you would like to be treated. Now, the previous verses there in Luke, um, they, they talk about how to show grace and how to show mercy and how, how, to, how to deal with different uh, people. And so we have to learn how, how, to, how to work and navigate inside those relationships not based on what we want or what we can get out of it, but how can we help others along the way? And this is, this is in any type of relationship. We got to work on ourselves. It starts with ourselves. If you want to have great friends, you need to be a great friend. I tell my kids that all the time. I've told students and, and youth ministry that all the time. If you want to be, you want to have a great marriage, it, that, that, you got to do your part inside of a great marriage. It starts with you. Listen, it's hard to be half of a relationship when we aren't a whole person. It's hard. It's so hard. It starts with you. When we don't know how to truly conduct ourselves in relationships, and again, apart from God, we're going to always default to ourselves. So Paul here in Ephesians is given some instructions for how to deal, how to, how to work inside of relationships. So let's go there if you have that, and let's begin diving into God's Word today. So Ephesians 4. Starting in verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil... A foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just As in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example. We're going into chapter 5 now. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's break right there and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. God, it shows us how to live this life and live our best life and live 
what you have for us. You, you, you know us. You know every part of us. You know how you created us and how you created us to be and how the, the best way for us to live this life. And so, God, I pray that we would understand this word today, that it wouldn't just sound good or, or, or entertain us, but, God, it would, it would speak to us, God. We would gain understanding and wisdom on how to live our lives now, love others, and love you so we can love well and live well. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So again, what we did last week is we built, uh, we built this foundation. So we have uh, these blocks here, these cinder blocks uh, laid out for you to kind of display uh, that just a little bit. Uh, so, so last week we built the foundation that it all has to start with our relationship with God. That, that's the foundation. That, that's the firm foundation. That's, that's not going to crumble. That's something. This is true. This is, this is something that, that is not going to, to fail us. God doesn't fail us. His love never fails, right? So, so this is a firm ooh, foundation. I'm strict. Um, this is a firm foundation for us to, to stand on and to build our lives upon, okay? So that's where we started. Loving God with all our heart, mind, and soul so that, that we can then love others as ourselves. So, so it starts there. So what we're going to do today is we're going to look throughout this scripture and, 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 and weed through it a little bit and, and pick up some different building blocks for relationships so that we can build upon now this foundation that we set last week. So let's go through those different blocks. I got eight different ones that we're going to look at together. You guys ready? All right, let's go. The first building block is this. It is truth. Okay? It is truth. The first building block that we're going to talk about today is truth. That's a good thing to start with, right? We should always tell the truth. We tell our kids to tell the truth all the time. We should tell the truth. Truth is more than just about telling lies. It's about being honest. Being honest with your feelings. Being open and honest. Open and honest communication is important inside of any relationship. But listen, the, the truth builds. Okay? The, the truth builds. The, the truth builds trust. Truth builds trust. When, when you open up to someone, when you're truthful to them, it, it, it creates this space for, for, for that relationship to grow, right? But, but where there is secrets and where there's lying and where there's not being honest, that, that'll tear all this down. Okay? That, that's why we need to start with truth. It's because we'll tear all this down. And, and, and Paul here in Ephesians, he starts with, with the truth. There in, in chapter 4, he says to put off falsehood. In fact, he actually starts saying this, put off the old self. Put off, if, if you want to have great relationships, if you want to love well and live well, you got to put the old self away. You got to put that selfishness away so that there's room for other people. In here. So that first of all, there's room for God and then there's room for other people. And first part of that is telling the truth. Truth builds trust and lying will tear it all down. Proverbs 26, 28 says, a lying tongue hates those it hurts. And a flattering mouth works ruins. It'll ruin it. It'll ruin a relationship. It'll burn bridges. However you want to say that. Lying will tear it all down. But truth builds a relationship. Truth is something you can, you can stand on. Now this isn't just about telling like bold-faced lies or secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. Um, th this is not just about that. Okay? You guys can laugh at my corny jokes and it's okay. All right? But this isn't just about that. It's about having open and honest communication. It's about being able to talk and share. Now, guys, this is tough for us, but talking and sharing your feelings, okay? Guys, we, we like to go work out, right? Yeah. You know, work out, go shoot something, uh, or, you know, whatever, whatever you might do. But, um, <laughs> but this is about opening up and, and, and sharing your feelings. And, and this is really vital 
to healthy relationships, having open and honest communication. Now, this isn't just speaking freely your mind about whatever you want, okay? Because again, we can't be selfish in dealing with people. But everything needs to be filtered through the Holy Spirit. Some, some people don't have a filter, do they? <laughs> and they should. But us as Christians, we as Christians, we should filter everything through the Holy Spirit. Conduct ourselves in love and in selflessness. Listen, if my wife and I were, were, were going through our week or whatever, and there's something that's eating at me and bothering me, and I don't ever express that, I don't ever talk about that, and I allow that to build and build and build and build, at some point it's going to come out and it's going to explode, and that's unhealthy. It would be better, even if there's a little bit of tension. Many of us don't like conflict, and we, we avoid conflict, and we hold that stuff in to, to, to the wind. It just blows up to, to something that was never meant to be. Okay, But if I come out and say, babe, I don't, I don't know, you may not even notice this. or you know, And we've had this conversation before. It was actually the other way. She's actually come to me with that. But, um, but it's like, hey, this, this is kind of how I'm feeling. You may not have noticed the way you said that, but this is how I feel, and this is the way it made me feel. And, and, and really just opening up and being able to talk through that sort of stuff. And again, a little bit of tension is okay because you have to deal with those things and you have to be able to express the truth. You have to be honest, but you also have to be willing to accept truth because it's a two-way thing. This is a relationship. There's more than one person involved and you can't be selfish in it. You have to be willing to accept that truth and be able to talk things out and work things out. I know it's getting heavy already, so hold on, okay? So truth is our first uh, building block. The next block that we're going to talk about is self-control. Self-control. Paul here, he uses anger and he says, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. But I believe you could insert any emotion right here. I believe you can insert uh, uh, several things here and, and it describes us. Having self-control, which is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, by the way. As, as we read through all these, you're going to see, all right, the Holy Spirit will help you through each and every one of these different things. But in your anger, do not sin. Um, but in all you're dealing with, with people, good or bad, we shouldn't, I mean, we shouldn't sin anyway, right? God, we, we know that God doesn't like that, right? That he doesn't want us to sin. He has the best life for us. There's a certain way he wants to, like, we understand that. So, so many times we get caught up in our emotions, that's why you shouldn't act or, or speak in, in, in a heated moment or inside of your emotions. It's never good to make decisions and, 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 and caught up in your emotions and things like that. So we have to be careful. We have to, again, filter things through the Holy Spirit. But we should not sin no matter what someone says or does. We're not to sin. Here's the deal, all right? And this is why I call this self-control. You can't control what others do, but you can control what you do. You, you, you can't control what others say and do, but... But you're responsible for you and yourself and what comes out of your mouth and the actions that you have. And we should always err on the side of grace and mercy. As Christians, we should do that, right? We want to be treated well, right? And we're supposed to treat others the way we want to be treated. I, I want to be treated fairly. I want to be given forgiveness and, and, and mercy and grace. God gives that to us and we're supposed to reciprocate that. We're supposed to, to give that uh, to other people. So we should always err on the side of grace and mercy. See, our, our flesh, again, that, that selfishness, it seeks justice, it seeks revenge, it seeks all these different things, but we have to love selflessly. Guys, with me so far? All right, so, so then we go on to verse 28. 
And Paul says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. So, so the third block um, is this. Be true. That one's heavy. Be true to yourself. I'm going to um, get a workout here by the end of the service. And that's okay, guys. I need to go to the gym. Be true to yourself. Now, 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 hold on. He's talking about he's talking about stealing here. So, so what are you what are you talking about? All right, stay with me here. Anyone who's been stealing must uh, certainly we shouldn't steal. If it's not yours, don't take it. I can't stand people that steal something from someone who's worked for that. And, all right, but we should forgive them, even though that's hard. But I don't think it's necessarily talking about stealing in that context and that sort of thing, right? I think he's talking about us comparing ourselves to other people. Trying to take something that is meant for that person because each of you has something unique to you. Each of you has gifts and abilities and talents and experiences and things that are unique to you in your life and what God wants to do in your life. And we can't try to compare ourselves to other people and take on personalities that aren't on or take on giftings that, that aren't ours and take on uh, you know, a, a life that really isn't ours that God doesn't have for us. It'll never work. It'll never work out that way. So we have to be true to ourselves and be content with what God has given you and who he created you to be. See what he says? He says, you must work and do something useful with your own hands that you may have something to share with those in need. If you're trying to, to, to justify stepping out in someone else's gifting or something that's not meant for you, it's not going to be useful for God's kingdom. It's never going to work. It's not going to work out. You're going to find yourself miserable and you're going to find yourself using up energy and, and time that's not really meant for you to do. We can't compare and envy what others have. It'll never work. It'll create a, a, a block in between you and that, that person. There, there'll be a, a wedge in that, that relationship, right? It just, it just doesn't work. You have to be true uh, to yourself, okay? Uh, go on to verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. The fourth building block is this. Watch your mouth. Look at your neighbor and say, watch your mouth. Right? We have to learn to watch our, our mouth. The Bible has much to say about the tongue and the power that it has. The Bible says the, power has, has, the tongue has power to speak life and death over someone. Out of your mouth comes blessings and, and cursings. Like, uh, so, so we have to learn to, to watch our mouths inside of, of our different relationships. Really with just everybody. Use your words to build people up and encourage them. When you encourage someone, you are putting courage in them. So when you're building them up, you're, 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 you're setting them up. You're empowering them. You're encouraging them to, to do whatever that might be. We have to learn to do that better. Inside of your relationships, inside of your dealings in those things, you don't always have to have the last word. You don't always have to be right all the time. Okay? You don't always have to get your two cents in. And for me, some of you are giggling because you know it's hard to do, right? It's hard to do that because we feel like we feel like we have to defend ourselves. We feel like we have to. We, we, you know, well, no, this this is not right. I need to say something, right? We don't always have to to do that. Sometimes it's just not worth it. In fact, this isn't just with verbal face to face communication. Sometimes this is what you may post online 
or in a text message. I don't know how many times I've erased a text message or a post that I went to put on Facebook because I'm like, you know what? This really isn't going to do anything. This really isn't going to change anyone's mind. This isn't going to benefit. This isn't going to build anyone up or encourage them. And those are the type of questions that we need to ask. Again, filter through the Holy Spirit. Is what I'm about to say, is what I'm about to post, is what I'm about to do, is this going to be worth it? And here's the deal with words. You can't take those back. People will allow those things to affect them for years and years and years to come. We can't take words back. That whole adage of sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never. That's garbage, right? Because that's just not true. Because bones and bruises and cuts and stuff like that don't heal up. But words, words can take a toll on someone's life. Are you being loving with your words? Talking about loving well and living well and how God wants us to conduct ourselves inside of our relationships. If, if you are not encouraging with your words, if you tear others down, you're going you're gonna to break all this down. That affects other things. That affects trust. That affects the truth. That, that affects so many different things. Self-control. This, it just ruins us. It tears it. It'll tear a relationship down. And that's not something that's built on God. That's built on self. When we feel like we have to Get the last word in, our two cents. Are you being loving with your words? Number five. Number five, I'm calling Be Kind, Rewind. Anybody remember the old video stores that we used to go to? Right, Blockbuster. Who remembers Specs? Specs, music, and movies. That's where I used to always get my, my video games and, uh, and different things. It was years ago by the movie theater. So awesome. And then Blockbuster came along, and then all these streaming sites came along, and Redbox and all these different things, and, and those brick-and-mortar places aren't around anymore. But, but back in the day, if you had a VHS tape, and I'm dating many of us in here, some, some of the young people are like, what's he talking about? But, but if you got the tape and you watched it, they wanted you to rewind it before you turned it in, because if you, if you went to watch that movie... It took forever to rewind that, right? It took so long to rewind that thing. Nowadays, you can just push the menu button. You can select the scene. It's so much easier for us today. We're getting lazy. But, but we had to be kind of rewind. All right, so, so stay with me here in, in this particular uh, passage. Because at the end of chapter 4 and bleeding into to chapter 5, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, as Christ loved and gave up himself for us as a favorite offering and sacrifice to God. Inside of our relationships, we have to learn to be kind and compassionate in our dealings with people and forgive. And and, and forgive. That's such a hard thing to do, but Jesus forgave you and me of all kinds of things. We're to forgive others. I know things get heated, things get said, stuff happens, but we're supposed to be able to forgive and have kindness and compassion for people. Great words to live by is I'm sorry and I forgive you. Even if that means you aren't wrong, but you're the bigger person in the situation, sometimes it's better just to let's, let's, let's restart, let's refresh. Let's squash this. And sometimes you have to be the bigger person. Don't wait for someone. And we're going to talk a lot more about this next week. Sometimes you have to be the bigger person. Be kind. Rewind. Let's put the past behind us. Let's forgive. Some, some people think they forgive, but they haven't put the past behind them. They're still living in that. We have to learn how to do that. Now, there are some people you should let go of. 
There's people in your life in seasons, and they're meant for that particular season. There's some people that you, you shouldn't have close in your life, and that you should let go of at times. But at the end of the day, when it comes to conflict, when it comes to dealing with people, are you doing your part in the relationship? Are you loving others even in conflict? And we have to learn to navigate that, okay? We have to learn to navigate that, especially as Christians. So number six, the, the next block is, is all about your character. All about your character. Character counts. In the next verses that, that Paul starts describing, they're all, they're all character issues. You read through that. They're all character issues. Character, character counts. Listen, we, we established that God knows the best way for our lives. We understand that, right? God created you. He knows everything about you. He has laid out his word as a map for our life. For us to do this thing the best way. And I didn't say the perfect life, but it's the best life, right? Uh, and, and so God knows the best way for us to live. And he wants you to thrive. He wants you to thrive in your life. He wants you to thrive and have meaningful relationships. He created you to have relationships. But there's a certain way that he has us do that. So what does he go on to say? Chapter 5, verse 3. But among you there must be not even a hint of sexual immorality. That's the first thing. That he mentions first and foremost. So, so single people in the room, here's the deal. Keep your pants on. Okay? That is for married folk. That is the way God laid it out, right? Keep your pants on and keep your hands to yourself. Okay? And I don't want to just pick on, 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 on the single folks, right? Married people, that activity is reserved for you and your spouse. And that's it, not someone else. I know we're all holy and, and, and saints and all this kind of stuff. We know this, but, but we need to make sure we understand that. And I get sometimes in a, in a marriage, things get kind of tense and get kind of crazy. And, and sometimes you want to look uh, at someone else or be with someone else. You think that's going to be better. But listen, the grass may look greener on the other side, but sometimes there's a septic tank underneath that. That's not, you, you might think, well, if I was with so-and-so, they would treat me so well. But you don't know that person. Your spouse is someone you have committed to. You've taken vows to, to get to work through everything. Sickness and in health, right? All, all the stuff, all the issues. And if you don't know that person well enough to know their issues, then you probably shouldn't have got married. You probably should have took some more time to get to know each other. So, so, so he starts with that. Chapter 5, verse 4, he goes in to say, There should be um, no obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving do the things that you say reflect your relationship with jesus do the things that come out of your mouth when you're just hanging out with the boys guys you guys are down at beefs and you're eating up some chicken wings and just hanging out like do the things that come out of your mouth does that reflect your relationship with jesus when you when you're at the office and and, and you're just shooting the breeze at the water cooler do the things that you say do the things that come out of your mouth reflect your relationship with jesus would people be surprised to hear that you are a Christian and go to church? Would people think that the building would burn down if you set foot through the doors of a church, right? How are you conduct? These are all character things that he's talking about. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And here's the thing about our character. Because, see, your character will take you a whole lot further than anything else. At the end of the day, people are going to remember you by your character. 
That's, that's the legacy that you will leave on this earth. That's at the end of the day, when, when, when people are at your funeral, is the, is the pastor going to have to lie about you at the funeral? Your character counts and will take you so much further than your talents will ever will. Your talents won't be able to sustain you. In fact, talent will get you in the door, but character will keep you in the room. Your character counts. Your character speaks about who you are as a person. So the things that you say and you do are so important, especially if you claim to be a Christian. Is your character loving inside of your relationships? The next block is, is your influences. Chapter 5, verse 6 says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Your next thing is, is, is influences. Who in your life is influencing you? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? What are the influences going on? Is it other Christian people or is it just any person? Who is influencing your life? Who are you allowing to speak in? We have to be careful with this. We have to be careful who we're allowing to speak into our life. Some people you need to keep closer than others. There's some people that just need to be acquaintances and that's okay. You, you still be kind to them and you still act in the way you should. But there's some people that you should not keep so close in your life. And there has to be balance here because we don't want to live in a Christian bubble either to where we're never out with people that we can witness to and, and be around. But this is all about who are you keeping close to speak into your life. Any close relationship that is not pulling you closer to the Lord will eventually become negative in your life. Who are you allowing to influence your life? And again, the Holy Spirit will help reveal these different things. The Holy Spirit will give you discernment when it comes to people and relationships in your life. The Holy Spirit will, will help you throughout each and every one of these different blocks. The last one is, is number eight. Paul goes on to talk about Submitting. Chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reference for Christ. And then he starts up in the next couple of verses talking about marriage. And he says, wives, submit to your husbands. And so let's talk about submission because many of us, I think, get submission wrong. We, we, we look at that in a negative connotation like we're, we're going to be uh, you know, some kind of slave or something like that to someone if we, we have to submit to their lordship or submit to their authority or something. We, we, we talk about that, right? It's so many people, I think, get this wrong when we talk about marriage and things like that. So, so stay with me for a minute. First of all, in all types of relationships, the Bible tells us that we should submit to one another out of reference for Christ. Here's the deal. Submission means to serve. Submission means you are serving others. That, that's what it means to submit. It means to serve others in your various relationships, in your friendships, in your marriage, in your family. How can you serve other people? How can you look to other people's needs above your own? Save people, serve people. We're supposed to see a need and meet a need, right? We're supposed to be there for each other. We're, we're, we're supposed to be Jesus to other people. Jesus served. He had a, he, that's the epitome of servant leadership and a servant's heart. How can you serve others? How can you put others above yourself or before yourself. And again, we do all this through the Holy Spirit because apart from God, we can't do that. We're always going to default to ourself. Remember, it's the love of God that helps us love other people. And we can go through all these things and see how the Holy Spirit helps do each one of those things. But God has to be the foundation 
Otherwise, it's all going to be out of order. And when you start putting this out of order, it's going to tumble at some point. There's going to be too much weight on one thing. It's going to, it's going to crumble. There's not going to be enough on, on this side. And it's just all going to fall apart. Does that make sense? It's all going to fall apart. God has to be first. And we have to allow him to work in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit to navigate the various relationships that we have. God has to be the foundation. Worship team, you guys can come on up and get in place. All these things are needed in our various relationships. Family, friends, coworkers, boss, but especially in marriage. You know, Paul, Paul starts going into talking uh, about marriage here. Your experiences and relationships shape who you are. So the various relationships that you've had over the years, your experiences that we're dealing with, those are all, are all things that, that carry with you. So if you haven't had healthy friendships or healthy relationships in the past, how's that going to work with you in a marriage one day? That's supposed to be forever, right? How's that going to work? Those things, that, the, the, the life that you've had up until the point you get married, those things are going to carry with you and they're going to go with you in, into that marriage. And, and this is why I've told teenagers for years, man, hold off on dating. I get it. Everybody's doing it, but that's not a really great reason to do anything. I know you don't want to be left out and things like that. But with everything that's going on inside of a teenager's life, all the changes, all the hormones, all the all, all this stuff, they're developing. In fact, our brains aren't fully developed until you're in your 20s. So you're about 24. Adolescence actually ends. And that's probably shifted over the years because culture has changed. But with everything that's going on, all those changes, all the developmental things, the body's changing, the mind's changing, the hearts, all this stuff, we're learning how to deal with our feelings at those ages. And all that, as well as trying to figure out who you are and what life is all about and, and trying to get your schoolwork taken care of and all that. Kids want to, want to involve a relationship. I've, I've met middle schoolers that are talking about, yeah, I've been dating my, my boyfriend for three years, for three, three months or three years or whatever. What? You're 13. Uh-uh. Not my house. Where are you going? Where, where are you going on a date at? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's nonsense, right? But they get caught up in all the drama. Like, because there's drama in relationships. They get caught up in all those emotions that they really aren't ready for. And that hasn't been... And I'm not just trying to discredit like teenagers. I love teenagers. But, but there's a lot of developmentally things that are, that are still going on. And to include something as serious as a relationship like that. And I just really try and encourage them and encourage you if you're a student here today, just hold off on that as long as you can. Because it can be difficult to navigate all that other stuff and try to have that, that type of relationship. And I know it's been done for, I know years ago, some of you may even got married at, at 16, 17 years old. Because that, that was the norm a long, long time ago. That was the norm, but it's not. Nowadays, people are waiting to get married because they're going through college and they're trying to figure out everything. I didn't get married until I was 28 because, let me be honest, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready yet. And I, hadn't, I hadn't figured anything out. And in fact, the moment that I realized I was ready was the moment I decided to just stop and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I need you to take this thing over. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. God, what do you want me to do? I want to focus on you and not... Because there are people trying to set me up. In fact, my wife... Uh, she was dating a really good friend of mine. when they, I, I was a few years older than, than them. Um, and, and she was in high school. And I was just, I had already graduated. I was a few years older. And they tried to set me up with one of her friends. And we went on a double date. This was a long time ago before we ever dated. And so many people tried to set me up. And it just, it just didn't work. And I'm like, man, I'm just done. And she'll tell you the same thing. She, she experienced the same thing when she was in college. She's like, I'm done with this. God, what, what are we doing here? 
And the moment that I said that, the moment I did that, the moment I allowed God to move in my life, it's like immediately things started happening. Plans started to unfold. And I'm not saying that's how it will work with you. But it was when I, I decided to push all that other stuff aside and focus on, on becoming whole in myself, where God started just opening the doors for different things. Chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, he goes on to talk about marriage. He says, Wives, submit yourself to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the, head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Listen, don't get tripped out on that word submit, ladies. Because here, here we go. Ready? The husband and the wife should both submit to each other. Because it means to serve. Okay? If you go into a marriage thinking what you want to get out of the marriage or how can you benefit from the marriage, you're already messing up. It's about both of you working together. If you are focused on the other person and they're focused on you and both of you are doing your part, you don't have to worry about your needs. Because they're doing their part, you're doing your part. Ultimately, God should be first and foremost, and you heard that in our video today. That's good wisdom. God should be first and foremost. He supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory. Okay, So He should be head. So how do you focus on loving God and loving others in your marriage? How do you focus on loving the other person and taking care of the other person in your marriage? I had to learn this at first when I first got married because I, I never really lived on my own. Sad to say. Um, but I never really lived on my own. And so we got married and I would come home from work and I'd pop down in the recliner and watch TV and you know, she's going to cook him dinner. And, and, and I realized after a while, I was like, this is, something's out of bounds here. And we never like argued over that. We've never really argued about anything because we always try to work things out so many marriages miss that everybody gets all up in their feelings and, and in their emotions and in their own opinions and in their own wants and desires and, and, then, and then there's tension but if you're both focused on how can you serve and take care of it there's times I know my wife's having a stressful week so you know what I'll wash the dishes I hate washing dishes but I'll do it because I know it will be helpful to her I know. You know, and she'll do the same thing for me. She, she knows that Sundays are a long day and we come in and, and I don't know if you know this, when you preach and when, when you put, this is, this is more than just speaking. When I, when I leave this place on Sunday, I'm done. I feel like I've worked out for hours. Like, there's a lot that's coming out, right? And she, she understands that. So she doesn't like ask me to do a whole bunch of stuff on Sunday. In fact, she lets me rest. I can go in and take a nap if I want. And, you know, we, we understand that about each other. It's not just about you and trying to figure your needs out. It's about the other person. It, it's sub, submit means to yield one's right. See, that's the vow that we take, right? To have and to hold, to cherish, to take care of. Those are the vows that we take when we get married. Somewhere along the way, we, we, we lose that. How can you take care of your spouse's needs? I'm to meet my wife's needs. She's to meet mine. And if we're both doing our part, our needs are met. You can't be in a marriage relationship or any type of relationship and only look at it as what can you get out of it because that's, that's selfish, right? Another huge key to, to marriage is, is understanding. Understanding your spouse and seeking to understand your spouse. And I know that's hard because guys, we're not mind readers, right? That takes work. Many people don't want to work for marriage. That takes work trying to understand your spouse. 
So seeking to do that is so key and so important to being able to work on how can I serve that other person. A big thing of that is learning a love language. Now you can learn love languages not just in marriage, but if, if you have a child, it's important. I think it's a great thing to know your child's love language because you know how best to, to meet their needs. It can work in a friendship. It can work in anything. Don't let the word love mean like romantic necessarily. It's important to love, le- learn people's love language. But the five love languages is this. You may have heard of the book. You may have taken the test before, but, but let me run through them real quick. Um, the five love languages are this. Words of affirmation. So if someone has words of affirmation as their love language, that means that they like to hear people express their love. So guys, your, your, your wife, that may be her love language. So just saying, hey, I love you. Um, that, that's not going to just, that, that's great. That's great. That you, why do you love her? That's what she wants to hear. That's what, she wants to be affirmed through, through words, right? Uh, there's acts of service, doing things. Washing the dishes, taking care of this or that. It could be any kind of act of service. Coming alongside them, helping them with a project. Whatever it might be. Physical touch. Um, guys, sometimes a back rub means only a back rub. Okay? <laughs> this is, get your mind out of the gutter. We're not just talking about whatever. Uh, physical touch. This could be just holding hands. My wife and I, we hold hands when we go. That's right? so what we will always do. It could be any type of physical touch, right? Quality time. Quality time. This does not include you on one side of the couch, your spouse on the other side of the couch, and you're on your phone. <laughs> That's not quality time, right? You got to work that stuff out. What is quality time? What does that mean? And, and all these things, right? So, so here's how these work. And it's important to know this because you might be thinking, well, I went out and mowed the yard, so they should like appreciate that, right? Well, acts of service may not be their love language. It might be words of affirmation. So they want you to come up and express your love. Does that make sense? So it's important to love because you think you're doing good, right? I'm, I'm doing good, man. I've, I've, I've done some things around the house. I did the honey-do list. Like, take, take, but that may not be, those things still need to be done. But that may not be your spouse's love language. So, so understanding and seeking to understand your spouse will help as you communicate and as you navigate those types of relationships and as you learn how to submit and treat your wife or husband. We should treat every type of relationship as what we can do to serve and help others. Can't be selfish. And again, apart from God, that's what it will be. If you go ahead and stand with me today. So now we, we've gone through all these different things. We talked about the foundation. The foundation has to be gone. And we talked about all these different things. So, so now you can build your relationship off of, and now even further than this. So we've established these things. Now you can build this up even further, even further from this. And you can create an environment to live in and to thrive in. See, I don't want us to just thrive as, as a church. That's our theme for this year. But I want, I want you individually to thrive as a person and, and to thrive inside of your various types of relationships. And this, this will help you. We want to create space to love others. We want to create space to love God. And now you can build on these bricks with, with experiences, with moments, with, with trust and, and with communication, with all, all different types of things. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Many people end up building walls to keep God out and to keep people out. 
Sometimes this comes from just hurt, past experiences. It's hard to trust someone who's hurt you. It's hard to trust others when you've been burnt before. Oftentimes, our earthly relationships reflect our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. For instance, maybe maybe your dad wasn't in the picture growing up. You might you might have a hard time understanding and loving God the Father because your earthly father wasn't there. Just sometimes we, we build walls up because of things that we did. Hey, thanks for tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.